We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Joining our show now from CBS Sports is Dennis Dodd. Always a great guest and always fun to see Dennis when we are on the road. Perhaps here in a couple of weeks we'll see you at some of the media days, Dennis. But uh, these are... Uh, how would you describe this? Interesting, troubling. What kind of times are we in? What kind of times are we in now in in college athletics? Well, Joe, it's historic. Uh, Hello. The NCAA was dealt, I would say, its worst legal defeat in its 116-year history. Austin, and it's really altered. It's altered the landscape. You know, almost right down to the field. Um, so, and then that, with that name, image, and likeness, we live in unique times. Uh, have, have we gotten, uh, have we gotten too big as college athletics, did college football get too big? Oh, I think it was that way a long time ago. Um, you know, too big to fail where, uh, tail wagging the dog, if you will. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it started in 1984 when, the NCAA lost the Supreme Court case that deregulated college football television. You and I are both old enough to remember there only used to be two or three games on a, a day, on Saturday. Uh, and that put a lot of content, a lot of games on TV, and created basically this pile of money that is so big it couldn't be ignored by critics or, or lawyers who wanted to get involved and get their 30% fee, and, and here we are today. Uh, today, we did have more discussion about the college football playoff. It looks like it's inevitable that they're going to go to 12 teams. Good idea or bad idea? You know, I, I think it's it's good. I mean, I wasn't one of those banging on the table for expansion. I thought four was, was pretty compelling. I thought the drama was there. But they did it for a lot of reasons. Let's not forget the money aspect, of course. You know, it looks like a 12-team playoff is going to be at least double what they're getting now, so it's going to be valued something north of $1 billion per year, um, which puts it on a par with, uh, with the NCAA tournament. But again, the college football playoff is a private company. You know, that's, you know they, they contract with these bowls and these conferences, but that's just a standalone com- company. That's not the NCAA. Um, you know, I think the other reason they did it was access. This gives an automatic berth to the, at least at least one of the best group of five conference champions, and so they they you know avoid legal liability because I think there was coming to a stress point when that was happening. You know we see so much litigation these days. I, I heard rumblings and actually wrote about it 
that I think the group of five is getting ready to have some legal issues if they weren't included. And good for them. I think they, they deserve a spot. The other point, I think, is TV ratings. The, uh, the 14 playoff, the ratings have basically cratered uh, since the first year. And you can say that the same teams being in it is the reason or COVID. I, I agree with all that. Um, they are willing to bet that a 12-team playoff, 11 games instead of three, creates more interest, more ratings, and thus more money for ESPN or whoever to get their rights fees back. You know, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I'll, I'll enter this discussion with you here in a second a little bit more. Um, everybody's looking at the number 12. The number 17 might be the biggest number that they have to discuss because somebody might have to play 17 games. Two teams will play 17 games if if an independent such as Notre Dame isn't involved. And I'm glad you brought that up because it, it's hardly been brought up. Uh, I tried to ask the working group commissioners who decided or recommended this 12-team playoff, and it was kind of brushed aside. In this era of head trauma and player safety and player empowerment, it's going to come, it's going to be a subject sooner or later, you know, where you're now playing an NFL schedule with college players who, you know, as, as we speak right now, who are not compensated. And if they are, is that enough when you're putting your body on the line for career-ending injury or life-altering injury, you know, playing college football. Uh, four teams playing 16 games, two playing 17 in this format. When is, when is it too much? I don't know the answer to that question. Dennis Dodd is our guest. Dennis, I think I could almost make a compelling argument, and I know the genie is out of the bottle. I, could, I think I could make a competitive uh, argument with fans that if you reeled in some of this – and almost went back 15 years ago where you played 10 or 11 games and you played bowls on New Year's Day. I know I'm going to be called, called, called old on this. You played bowls on New Year's Day and decided to champion then. A majority of fans I think would be okay because I think college football is about the pageantry, the passion, and for fans, the weekly reunion at the stadiums. Yeah, I agree, uh, except in this day and age, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. And you have to understand where the, they've created this, oh, I call it a dichotomy between a profit-based athletic department and you know a nonprofit amateur business model, which collides every day of the week. It, it almost cannot exist together. We've seen that in many forms. So football has to support, and basketball has to support the other you know, the other uh, sports at the school. So in times of strife, this is what schools have done. When they needed more revenue, they could the 12th game. That added, you know, an extra home game in most cases. When they needed more revenue, they went from, you know, the wire service aspect to a BCS. They got a lot of money for that. Then they expanded to four. Now they're expanding to 12. And they're, as far as I know, going to keep the conference championship games. And we've already had the discussion about a 17-game season. So in times of strife, and there's a lot of it with COVID and everything else, this is what the stakeholders of the game do. Um, and that's why I think you know the players have a, have a broad strip to stand for when they ask for more benefits. You know, you're going to ask us to do 50 hours a week preparing for our sport, fit school in, and make us play all these games, yeah, maybe they do deserve more. 
Well, along those lines, if you put your periscope up, what is college football, what is college basketball going to look like in the next couple of years? Are we recruiting players or are they recruiting players and signing them to contracts? Well, I think they'll be they'll be signing uh, contracts at least in the NIL age with uh, with companies and endorsers and apparel deals and stuff like that. I don't think it fundamentally changes the model. Uh, I think in two years we will not be talking about this uh, much the same way as a lot of people lost their mind over cost of attendance, over players getting a thousand, two thousand dollars a month in cost of attendance. Um, you know, I, I think it will be a moot point. Everybody wants to talk about comp you know, competitive advantage. Alabama right now has an elite NIL platform set up to benefit its athletes. For example, Western Kentucky doesn't. So what's changed? Alabama is better than Western Kentucky. It recruits better players. It wins championships because they're better at football. And they will be better at this than most schools. Um, you know, the question is, to me, is does it, does any of this dilute the fact that Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama, maybe a few more, dominate the sport. I don't think it does because this this is a level playing field. You can spend this money on this on this NIL platform because not a dime of it should come from the athletic department because it's going to go to the kids. Um, is it being done because of recruiting? Everything's about recruiting. That never changes. So I, I don't think it'll change the way we watch, um, the way we care, uh, but they'll just be getting more money, the players. You, know, I, you mentioned cost of attendance. I, I don't think that the average fan even understands that uh, athletes do get some money, and, and it can be quite a bit depending on what school you are enrolled in and what the formula is, and it's pretty much different for each student at each school uh, because of where they live and so forth and so on, but students, uh, student-athletes can receive a fairly substantial amount. Yeah, uh, up to $3,000, I think it is, um, in NIL money, um, you know, per, per um, college season. And I have known players uh, that have made, have put away money because of Pell Grants, because of cost of attendance upwards of $40,000. I had, a, I had an SEC coach tell me that he has players that were earning the equivalent of $24,000 per year. And it was all above board. Um, now, you may argue, is that too much? I don't know. What is too much? All I know is the U.S. law says you can't cap it. And that's what the NCAA has been doing. And now the cat's out of the bag. So, yeah, they, they get all kinds of benefits. You talk about pay for play. What is What, what are bowl gifts? Now, they're capped at $550. But if that's the argument. All we're talking about is the amount. Players already get pay-for-play. I would argue the cost of attendance is pay-for-play because only athletes get that money. Yeah. It's not an academic achievement. It's an athletic achievement. You made the team. Here's some money. So right, we've already crossed that line. So the question to me, Joe, is how much money uh, can these players get before Miami and Florida State, people stop watching or going to those games, or Michigan, Ohio State? I think that number is huge, and it may be unreachable. Um, I heard this conversation the other day because of, you know, uh, this, uh, I guess we call it players empowerment. So down on the field now, we get to the coaching level. Do coaches have to change the way they think in terms of rather than telling a player what to do, they have to tell a player why they are doing it? 
Yeah, I think there's some of that. Uh, Nick Saban, with the advent of the one-time transfer rule a few years ago, said, am I going to have to change the way I coach? And in the back of my mind, I thought, yeah, maybe you do. Um, not saying it's right, but look, in our jobs, we do a lot of things we don't want to do. Our, our duties change. So the, the best coaches will be the best at it to retain players. I think they're going to have to be more in touch with their players. You have to understand these coaches oversee a huge staff and maybe 120 players. You may not even know all their names. Well, you better get to know all their names. You know, if, if you're, guy, you're going to lose a bunch of guys. Um, it's going to be hard when a coach leaves and a bunch of players transfer, but that's happening already. Uh, the, the programs and the coaches that are better at it will keep these players, you know, in, in school. And it, it keeps them, Joe, it keeps them from the abuses of before by coaches. They could run off players. They could block them for where they wanted to transfer. And in some cases, block them out of spite for no reason, not even a competitive reason. I sort of understand not going to a conference rival or a rival. I don't understand doing it out of spite. All that's gone now with the portal. So I'm, I'm okay with player empowerment. And the coaches who make an average of $2.7 million a year are going to have to adjust. Give me that money. I'll, I'll adjust. <laughs> Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports is our guest. We're very excited here in Miami that the Hurricanes open with Alabama. I could twist this around a little bit and say – Alabama, the defending champ, everybody's going to know probably all they need to know about Alabama after three weeks. They play Miami in week one. Maybe they don't look at that as a big challenge. I don't know. And in week three, they play the Florida Gators. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to, and they're going to be good. You know, they're going to be ranked one or two going into the season after losing six first round draft choice choices and every, you know, winning every major award out there. Johnny Unitas, Heisman, Joe Moore award, Outland Trophy. All those guys are gone. Um, you know, and they're going to be replacements. Some of them we know, some of them we don't. I thought there was a moment this summer. I was at a, a quarterback camp in California, and it, in that quarterback camp, Rice, Rice Young and Derek King were at the 50-yard line talking to each other. I would have killed to know about that conversation because that's going to be some pretty good talent on display in that first game. Will you uh, have you decide where you will be on – the opening weekend, will you take on Miami and Alabama or Georgia and Clemson? Yeah, I haven't decided yet. I mean, those are the two big ones. There's a bunch. There's uh, a game on Monday, I believe. Um, there's Kansas State. Stanford's a really good one in Arlington. But typically, you know, these, these one-off games, these Lucasite games are going to be huge. So not, not determined yet, but I would imagine Alabama-Miami. Before I let you go, the bowl games – uh, the bowl games are going to be wrapped into this playoff system somehow, right? Uh, you, you foresee uh, the big bowl games surviving. My idea, my suggestion is the smaller bowl games, they should move to the front of the season. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I think the bowl games are going to be folded in. I just don't know which ones. Um, and before you even a attempt to answer that question, what's the Rose Bowl going to do? You know, in this scenario with the 12 team playoff there's a scenario there where they never get um Ohio, you know the big pac 12 teams and only then by chance um there's a scenario that they only get one and if they can't get that you know are they going to demand january 1st at 2 p.m pacific i you know i think after they what they've done to notre dame in the next playoff i don't think anybody's going to be listening to that anymore um you know notre dame it can go undefeated 
and finished number one in the country, and it's a five seed because the Notre Dame does not get uh, a bye no matter where it finishes. Neither does any independent. But that's what they chose. They are couching that as, well, we don't have to play a conference championship game. Yeah, but you're also going to have to play four games to win a championship. And Notre Dame, like a lot of schools, measures its season in championships. The last one they won, they only had to play one. Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports is our guest. Does anybody crack the code this year and reach the Final Four that is not Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and or Georgia? I don't think so. I think we're locked in. I mean, you just mentioned the contender. I'm really high on Oklahoma this year, but they, you know, they've been to a playoff three times under uh, Lincoln Riley. They've got to prove they can be competitive once they get to that stage because they haven't. Actually, they were against Georgia, but blew a huge lead and lost that semifinal game four years ago. Um, no, I, I don't. I don't see anyone cracking the coach. You've got about five teams there for four spots, um, and you better get used to it. Uh, again, that's a big reason why they did this playoff. It doesn't necessarily mean that those three aren't going to win championships every year. It does put in there the Cinderella factor, something uh, in the postseason college football's never had. Wouldn't it have been cool last year to at least see Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina be in the 12-team field? Because they would have, uh, given, given how the season finished last year. Well, they might get their chance here in the near future. Of course, you know, University of Miami kind of got things rolling. They were almost like a, a Cincinnati or a Central Florida way back in the early 80s when, when they beat Nebraska. Uh, I'm not sure that many people at the time they were an independent considered the University of Miami a real threat, and that's what got them rolling. Yeah, I mean, there's always hope, right? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what there is hope for this year, Dennis, is that we're going to have a pretty normal college football season and not a lot of uh, – uh, um, are we playing? Are we not playing? The Big Ten's in, the Big Ten's out. Uh, Pac-12's in, Pac-12's out. Looks like we're all going to be in. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to have full seasons. I think we're going to have full stadiums. And just a few months ago, I, I wouldn't have thought that, but it looks like it's full speed ahead, and I think we're glad. <laughs> all right, as always, uh, you're, you've been a great guest. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Joe, thanks so much. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 